The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we are desperately trying to make common sense more common again and apply that common sense to our economy, our society, and of course, to our stewardship. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, If you are watching us on Facebook, please share us with your friends and family. You are likely not watching us on YouTube today because we are back in YouTube jail probably at least for the next week. That's why it's very, very important for you to get our phone app. And also, if you're listening to us on an AFR station on Saturday, we are not live, but we are live during the week. And you can always catch us on the phone app. I would also encourage you to visit our website. It's financialissues.org. You can also watch there and put your comments and questions up on the website as well. Sign up to get our weekly newsletter at financialissues.org. It is a free newsletter. It comes to you. It brings you the uh, latest economic news and the news from a biblical world uh, spectrum from our FISM news team who has a nightly broadcast on FISM.tv. So go and get all of that. Uh, Now to bring you a little recap of what has happened in the economic world this week. There's so much to talk about. We don't have time to cover it all here. But some of the highlights earlier this week, we had the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index that came out a little bit better than expected, surprisingly, in the midst of all of the bad news that we are hearing. But, you know, small business owners, the entrepreneurial spirit is the American dream And they are very resilient, and they're going to persist ahead, um, even in the worst of conditions, which is what we're seeing under this administration. We have more supply chain issues that are brewing. We have the Mississippi River at the lowest levels that we've seen uh, in a very, very long time. This is creating a backlog of barges, not being able to load the barges fully because the water is too low for them to pass. Traffic getting backed up in some areas, so we're having uh, some issues with the farmers getting their grain down the river. That's also going to cause problems on getting fertilizer up the river. So what do you do if you can't put it on a barge? Well, you can put it on a rail line or a truck. Well, the, the rail industry is also not quite out of the woods yet. You know, the Biden administration took laps that they had helped to negotiate a deal to keep to prevent a railroad strike from happening by promising higher wages and uh, paying some some, uh, back money to them. And the union bosses liked it, so we got all excited about that. And then it went to a vote. Well, some of the unions passed it. The third largest rail union did not. So the Biden administration was desperate to avoid a rail strike because of the fears that it would upend an already strained supply chain. But that's not going to happen. 
and they won't face the consequences of that until after the midterm elections. So that's going to linger on for a little bit. So that's going to overburden the already stretched trucking industry, not to mention Biden's uh, Department of Labor ruling or what they're trying to push through to change the definition of contract employees to uh, just traditional employees. That's going to increase the cost and the, for the gig economy, things like um, Uber, Lyft, you know, those uh, those industries that use contract employees. I don't know why the government feels like they need to get involved. If a person doesn't feel like the job that they're being offered is fair as a contract employee, the beauty of that is that they don't take the job. They don't need the government to come in and tell uh, companies what to do. So um, small businesses said that their biggest challenges are inflation and worker shortages. So both caused by the government, in my opinion. We also have the UN, Jamie Dimon, the IAE, and most recently the Biden administration coming out and warning of a worldwide recession. Now, they're trying to downplay it a little bit and say that it's going to be mild and so on and so forth. But, you know, when you see this kind of messaging come out from all of these different globalist entities, then they're trying to soften the blow of what's already coming. So the Biden administration is already denying, you know, has been denying that we are in a recession, even though we've met the technical definition of that. We're going to get the uh, GDP numbers out, I believe, next week for the third quarter, and we'll see what happens there. But you don't actually come out of a recession. You go into a recession when you have two quarters of negative GDP growth, which we saw for the first and second quarters of this year. But you don't technically come out of a recession until you see two positive quarters of GDP growth. So they're expecting the third quarter to be slightly positive, but that's not really enough to get us out of it. So, you know, there are consequences for elections. You hear that all the time. And the Biden administration ran on restrictive business, uh, restrictive business environment, especially in the fossil fuel industry, pledging to destroy the fossil fuel industry because of this so-called climate crisis. Um, you have we have a, a situation where government is now paying companies to do things that don't make economic sense, like in the CHIPS Act. Um, are these companies in a free capitalistic society would already be doing those things if they think they made economic sense without the government paying them to do them? So this has led us into the consequences that we're experiencing now. In the housing market, we have the 30-year mortgage at over 6.81% is the national average for the 30-year. That's more than 100% higher than it was at this time last year. Um, mortgage activity not surprisingly, because of the rate, is down dramatically. Mortgage applications overall are down 40%. Refinance applications down, you ready for this, 86%. And we got PPI, which was the producer price index, and it went up unexpectedly to the to the experts, 0.4% month over month, and it sits year over year at 8.5%. Well, that's the prices that producers pay for the, to produce their goods and services that end up most likely getting pushed along to the consumer. And on Thursday, we got the big CPI number. Month over month, has inflation peaked? Well, maybe, 
but is it coming down? No, it's not. Month over month, it's actually up 0.4% versus the 0.2% double what was expected. The annual rate of inflation in the U.S., even though it slowed for the third month in a row, sits at 8.2% for September of 2022. That's compared to 8.3% in August, not coming down um, very quickly at all. And it was above the market forecast of 8.1. So we still have energy up almost 20% year over year with gasoline up 18, fuel oil 58, electricity 15, food up 11%, prices for shelter um, increased actually faster. And that's because of that mortgage rate. So the core rate of inflation, which excludes food and energy, which doesn't really Uh, is not the one that impacts consumers as much, but it's the one that the Fed looks at. And it rose to 6.6, and that's the highest um, since August of 1982, and it was above market expectations of 6.5. So what do you do? (laughs) You can uh, contact the AFA about their charitable gift annuity and see how you can secure some permanent income for yourself and make a gift into kingdom work. Well, stick with us. We're going to talk a little bit more about the economy and what we, how we can be positioned for what's coming. Stick with us. I'm your host, Shannon Burt, and we're going to be back right after this short break. If you like what you're hearing right now, you're going to love going to the website FISM.TV. FISM.TV is the home of nationally syndicated TV, radio, and podcasts, Financial Issues with Shanna Burt. But it's also home to the Engaging History program, A Moment in History, and the news show FISM News. So keep listening to this show right here and right now, but later when you're done, go visit our website. It's FISM.TV to learn more about this show and plenty more. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't 
doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250, keyword baby, pound 250, baby, or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we are here today to answer your questions about what's going on in the economy. The two-year Treasury note is now at four, over 4.5%. The 10-year is over 4% now. So we're seeing interest rates moving uh, higher, uh, just as the Fed has been increasing and increasing. And you heard a little bit of a, a barrage of bad news there in the first segment with the economies and the markets. You know, you have all of these Entities, the UN, the IEA, the Biden administration now is finally starting to admit that we may be going into a recession. Um, and Jamie Dimon as well, calling for a worldwide recession. So, what do you do with all this bad news? Well, you have to have a strategy that you can believe in. First, you have to get your eyes fixed in the proper place, which is on Jesus. And then number two, you have to have a strategy that you believe in. So if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, then you're really going to be likely to choose a strategy that is biblically responsible. And so you can become a partner with this ministry by going to financialissues.org. Clicking on the partner tabs, there's a little um, link there that says become a partner. It's very cost effective. You can become a partner for as little as $85 a year. You're going to get access to our buy and sell list. Um, You are also going to get to participate in a monthly conference call, which we have one coming up next week. So if you join now, you get an invitation to participate in that conference call. You also get asset allocation models and a ton of videos to help um, guide you into how to do the strategy and, um, you know, keep you steady once you do decide that the strategy is the right one for you. So speaking of partners and questions, we've got some on the phone lines right now. Let's go to Sherry. Sherry's calling from Ohio. Good morning, Shanna. Um, Just want to thank you and the financial issues team for all that you do um, for all of us. Really appreciate it. Um, I have been a member, been a member for about five years now, I believe, um, and have been listening to the program long before that. But about four or five years ago, somewhere in there, I I became brave enough to try to 
to tackle this myself after going through a couple financial advisors that were not really doing what I felt was in our best interest. Um, and it became very, I mean, it was much easier to do than I expected. And I was quite confident um, for a few years. That is until everything became so volatile. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so right now, um, I'm a little confused about the, the model that we're in. At the time, first of all, I'm 64. My husband is 67. Um, we are both retired um, with limited part-time work that we're, we're doing. Um, so at that time, I put us in the income model, um, preparing for retirement and knowing that we would need some income. And I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I've heard you say um, in some programs not too far back that um, really that model should be for people of a life expectancy of less than 10 years. And my question is, did I understand that correctly? Um, And if so, um, I'm just questioning whether or not I've got our funds in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's really the way that I see it. You know, Dan always used to say, don't use the income model unless you're actually taking the income. So I didn't, I, know, I heard you say that you have a part, part-time part work, but I didn't hear you say if you were spending the income. But the income model focuses specifically on generating income. So if you're if you're in that model, then we, we expect that you're taking that income. If you're not, you would probably be better suited for the 65 uh, into retirement model. Okay, and we are taking the income, and we do we do like the fact that you know the income has been there and it's been very consistent. Um, so I, I guess I'm just trying to understand if if we stay in that model and continue to take the income, um, you know, is that okay? Is that an okay place to be at our age? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure. I hope I hope to live longer than ten, 10 more years. So I just <laughs> yeah. So depending on how you build that portfolio, you know, you can build in some growth too, because there's there's some growth, some income and growth stocks that you can add in there. And some of those sectors, it's going to be hard to find. You know, uh, stocks that are paying over two percent. Let's just say. Uh, but those are the sectors in there that are built in to to give you some longer term growth too. Okay, okay, and I just I know with all the changes we've had recently and sales and things like that, I just I wanted to ask this question at this time before I, as I figure out how to how to reinvest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would just take a look at the difference between the sixty five into retirement model and the income model, because you're right, there's been a lot of sell alerts that have gone out lately. So that most likely um, changed your, your, your allocation. So you're looking for some places to redeploy that money. So just take a look there and see where, where the best opportunities lie for you. Okay. All right, Shanna. Thank you so much. All right. Great. Uh, Thanks for calling Sherry. We've got William calling from Georgia. Hi, William. You're on Financial Issues. Hey, Shanna. How are you this morning? Better than I deserve. Hey, great. Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. Shanna, i got a, got a question for you. This is concerning C70. Um, I have my emergency cash in this fund, and I've had it in there for, for several years now. 
but it's really starting to take a hit like this year is down 13.5 year to date. And I'm wondering, do I just, I really have more cash in there than I need for emergency funds, but do you think I should just sit pat with this or what, what would your recommendation be? So my recommendation would be to, for any emergency cash that you have, you just want to use straight old cash, you know, um, checking, savings, money markets would be okay. Um, but if you look on the description for the for C70 and the other ones that are similar to it, it does say that there can be some volatility there. So, you, you know, you never want to have to try to sell out of a position that's down to get emergency money. So what I would say is if you have other things in those areas, maybe consider that your emergency money. But the uh, the part of your cash that maybe has a little bit longer time horizon, meaning that you know, money that you wouldn't need to get to at the drop of a hat or in case of an emergency, I think it's fine to leave there. You know, it's um, that particular investment is a type of bond fund. So bonds, bond funds are going to be negatively impacted with rising rates. That particular one is going to be driven by inflation. So inflation should start to moderate the, the rate, meaning the rate on that should start to come down and you know, as I think it's still going to take a little bit of time, but, you know, that should eventually be, I think it's fine to hold it. Okay. Okay, great. All right. Thanks so much for the information. All right, William. Thanks so much for calling. Let's go right to Tammy. She's calling from North Carolina. Hi, Tammy. You're on financial issues. Hey, thank you, Shanna. My Mm -hmm. question is, I have a CD that's maturing and if I don't do anything, just leave it there, it will renew at 1.3%. I would really like to get a better return on it than 1.3%. Do you have a recommendation? Well, I guess I have a question before a recommendation, but what is what is the purpose of that part of your portfolio? Is it just to... Um, just to stay stable and earn a little bit of interest? Is it money that you're going to use in the short term? Or are you just looking for a long-term return? Hey, I have an IRA account and a Roth. But this is money that I don't want to lose. I don't need it now to live on. But it's just money I would like to be put to better use and you know, until I actually need the money. Okay. So if the primary goal there is for preservation is what I'm hearing, if you don't want to lose the money, you're probably best to try to stick to CDs. So your choices are you could look for another institution that's going to offer you a better return. Um, That does involve some work, especially if it's a short-term CD, then you're back on the hunt for higher rates every six months or one year or whatever that might be. Another option is if you have a brokerage account, you can hold CDs in a brokerage account. So whenever it comes, uh, it makes the the shopping very easy when, when they come due. So you get a notice that your CD has come due, or maybe you just have to kind of keep up with that on your own. But then you can go and you can shop from institutions that are FDIC insured all across uh, the United States, so you can look for the best rate, and it makes it really easy. You don't, you don't have to really even leave your house or call the institution. You can just do everything right there from your brokerage account. Well, I do have a Schwab account, so I will check that out first. And I have, may I ask one other quick question? Sure. 
Okay, I, I will check that out first. My other quick question is this. I'm an income investor, and I've just been going over your uh, new, you know, the new, uh, at, you know, the new layout for what to do with it. And there are several things in there, three, I believe, that are Timothy funds. Schwab does not allow or does not sell those Timothy funds. How do I go about figuring out what I need when I can't buy those that are on the uh, income investor? Yeah, that's certainly unfortunate that their that their ideology is not going to uh, give you the ability to buy the things that that you want to buy because they're you know, really anti-Israel. So one of two things is you could find another discount brokerage that would allow you to buy those things, or you could set up an account directly with Timothy. You could go to their website or you could give them a call and open an account there to hold that portion. Uh, You can do a partial transfer if it is an IRA or even some other type of account. You can just transfer the portion of your portfolio that you want to invest in those companies into that portion of your portfolio to Israel, uh, to the Timothy plan. It makes it a little bit more difficult because we just talked about the convenience of having everything all in one place. But, you know, I believe that the conviction for biblically responsible investing is um, really should kind of trump our desire to have convenience. Um, so that is one option. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to stay with Schwab, I would let them know, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be moving a portion of my portfolio because you're not giving me the option to invest in that, you know. And I think if they if they hear that enough times, maybe they'll reconsider their policy there. Thank you, Shanna. I really appreciate it, and I'm going to take your advice on everything you said. Thank you Great. very much. Well, thanks for calling, Tammy, and thanks for being a partner. We really appreciate your support. And I'm Shana Burt with Financial Issues. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come right back after that. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to take care of his body, to eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple of God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. I'm a partner of uh, uh, Financial Issues, and I appreciate what you have done for uh, the average citizen. I became a partner back in June, July, and the best thing I've done, I've taken over 30 years of my savings and um, have been able to manage it through your process, and I have a much greater peace and sense uh, that I'm doing the Lord's will. So anybody that's thinking about it, do it, and uh, also get on the portfolio tracker. I enjoy doing it myself. I'm learning a ton. 
Securities offered through GA Repel and Company, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only, and do not necessarily represent those of GA Repel or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it, and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burton. I hope you paid attention to that little disclaimer there right before we came in on this segment. It is important that you know um, the uh, angle that we're giving you advice from. So uh, speaking of partners, let's get to Brian. He's calling from Illinois. Hi, Brian. You're on Financial Issues. Hello, Shannon. This is Brian. Uh, Good morning. Yes, I have a question. Uh, I am a partner, uh, and I've just opened up an inherited IRA at Fidelity with 75000 And I was wanting to know, how would you suggest I invest that I'm 54 years old and the money's currently in a money market? Okay. Um, I think the important piece of information to get there is when did you inherit it? Did the person that you inherited from um, die prior to January 1st of 2020 or after? After. Okay. And I'm assuming it was not a spouse, correct? No. Okay. So they did change the rules for required minimum distributions after January 1st of 2020. So now when you inherit an IRA from someone who is not a spouse, you've got 10 years to get the money out. So before you decide how to invest the money, you need to decide how you're going, what your plan is for distribution of those funds. So the first thing that you're going to take a look at is what tax bracket are you in now and what is your likely tax bracket in the future? That's a little bit harder to discern. I'm in the camp. I think taxes are going to be higher in the future than what they are today just because of the outrageous patterns of spending that we have. We're now over $31 trillion in debt. Interest rates are going up. That means the cost of interest on our debt is going to be increasing. And governments don't make money. They only appropriate money. So we, the people, give the government the authority to decide what to spend and then the power to collect that money from us in the form of taxes. And they're currently spending more than they're bringing in and just exacerbating this debt. So even if we do get some fiscally conservative people in office, uh, I suspect we're still going to have higher taxes in the future. But you have to look at your own personal situation. You know, maybe you're going to be working for the next 10 years and it's it's not going to matter. You're going to be in a higher tax bracket. So you want to, um, you know, spread out that tax burden over time and take some out little by little. Uh, maybe you're going to be retiring. Maybe you're going to see a drop in your income. Maybe you're going to go down a tax bracket and you want to put that off and delay it. So, um You want to figure out what your distributions are going to look like first before you decide how to invest it. Then, um, once you decide how to invest it, you have to keep in mind that the way that you win in a qualified account, which a qualified account is one that qualifies for special tax treatment because the government says so, um, you want to decide... um, you, you want to keep in mind that anything that you grow inside that account, you're not only growing for you, but you're growing for the government and possibly at a higher tax rate in the future. So 
when you are looking at all of your different types of accounts, hopefully you have some qualified accounts, some non-qualified accounts, maybe even a Roth account. So you want to have your slowest growing parts of your portfolio in the account where you're going to have to pay future taxes like the inherited IRA. So if you're using the portfolio tracker, you're going to list all of your investments as one strategy. And so you want to look at that $75,000 and try to get the least amount of growth possible there because you're not only growing it for you, but for the government. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, right now it's it's in a traditional, uh, it's not the Roth, it'll be in a traditional because it, it currently rolled over from a traditional. Uh, I have it with Fidelity, so it's it's being held in a traditional uh, BDA account. So uh, I didn't know if you, you would rather me invested in a income producing portfolio or in a um, large cap, mid cap stocks yep. in that IRA. I would go with, I would lean more toward the income portfolio, but again, the the focus there is it's part of a portfolio. So you don't have different strategies for different types of accounts. In my opinion, the way that you, that you are the most efficient from a tax perspective is to look at, you know, maybe this $75,000 is only 10% of your overall portfolio. Well, then you could focus your slower growing income type investments in that one. But I, I would not give each account its own model unless you have different time horizons and different purposes to use that money for. Okay. Yeah, I was wanting to use it as an as a income uh for a monthly income, you know, not solely that, but if I had any extra, I would use it uh, to re, uh, reinvest. If I had any extra out of that monthly distribution, I would, you know, put it in a different account and reinvest it in just a brokerage account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think the uh, priority for planning for distributions is going to take. Uh, a higher precedence than that. So you want to first get your strategy for how you're going to distribute that account because you've only got 10 years to do it. Um, and, you know, if you're not actually spending the money, I think I do believe you said that you were still working. So if you're not using income from the account, you can um, move things out in move the investments out in kind just to a regular brokerage. Now you still got to pay the tax on it. So you want to keep some cash in that account to pay the taxes on the distribution. But again, you know, number one, plan your distributions and number two, include it as part of your overall strategy. Okay. All right. All right, Jim. Thank you very much. And I appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to Jerry. Jerry's calling us from Oklahoma. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Um, so I'm calling, I'm, I am a member, I have been for about eight years, and um, I have like the whole investment, I have, I've got the asset allocation model and um, the top thing where I can, the portfolio tracker and stuff. I'm calling right now, I'm kind of, I'm 62, 
and I'm still working part-time, kind of decreasing hours. I'm a widow, and I have... Um, I have three rent houses that are paid for that are netting about 3500 a month plus my income that I'm making part-time, which is like 2000 to 3500 a month, depending on how many hours I work as a nurse. But I also have, I have like $90,000 in a money market that's paying like 0.75% interest. And then I have, I keep about three or 4000 in my in my checking. But, um, so I, I get in more money each month than what I spend. So I'm wondering with that 90000 I feel like I need to have at least part of that in maybe something that makes more money. I've been hearing about like the I-bonds have real good interest now. So should I t- put the money in an I-bond? And then where where's a good place to put the rest of it that w- would make more interest but still be available for emergencies? I've heard things like uh, online accounts online savings or stuff like that, but just I wanted your perspective on it before I started moving money. Okay. So the place that you start is that portfolio tracker that you mentioned. So once you get all of your positions in and you get to that last chart, it's going to get, it's going to be a bar chart. It's going to show you where you are versus where you should be. So then you're going to start at whatever place that you're the furthest off. So if that happens to be in your cash, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell from everything that you said there exactly where you're over and under. But if you're under in your cash allocation, then take a look. There's a differentiation there between your true cash and your cash equivalents, which your cash equivalents are going to be things that can have a little bit of, vo- of volatility, but tend to have a little bit higher rate. So the cash part is for... Uh, income for distributions, for preservation of the account, and um, some dry powder during this time that we may redeploy later. So you want to avoid putting in something that's going to have some volatility. Now, the I-bonds that you have to know that you're limited to $10,000 per year per person, that you can go there. You have to do it directly at Treasury uh, Treasury uh, treasurydirect.gov, I believe is the website. And you can get a higher rate there. That is something that is, uh, you know, recommended on our list for the cash equivalent part. So the most important thing is going to be your asset allocation. So you have to start there. Um, So, you know, if, if that fits into your portfolio and you don't go over any of your percentages, I think that's a good place to start. You want to keep the cash part just in the money market cash, even though it's only paying 0.75%. That's much better than what it was paying a year ago. But again, the purpose of that cash part is dry powder, current income, and preservation. So I hope Um, that... Can you hear me? I can, but we're right. We're coming up right on the break here. Um, We will try to hold you over. I'm I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we're going to be taking a short break, and then we'll be back with the rest of financial issues. 
people are talking a lot about health care these days, there are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India, at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit IndiaPartners.org to see how you your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these 5 million children. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union, your money building God's kingdom. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we had to put put Jerry on hold as we came up on that hard break right there. But 
Let's go back to Jerry and um, finish up her question. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Um, so, as I was explaining to whoever talked to me in the in between, the question on the money I have is not in my portfolio. That has its own cash and stuff, and it's invested according to the asset location model. But in my own personal bank account, not investment, I have ninety thousand dollars. So in that's like your emergency fund. Yes, and I, okay. I I make more money right now between my rental houses and their expenses and what I make than what I spend each month all the time. So I need to keep some of that kind of fluid, but I don't think I need quite the. I, I want part of that in a higher investment than point seven five. Okay. Like so it sounds to me that that's not exactly emergency money. So emergency money is going to be different for lots of people. You have rent houses, so you probably need to keep some money there available in case you know something goes wrong at a rent house. You need to fix something. But your emergency money should include you know money that you might need to use to pay for emergencies if you need to, or if you need uh, to put new tires on the car. You have an insurance claim. You have a deductible. Um, you need to replace an appliance or something like that. Any money over and above what you need for emergencies, I would consider part of the portfolio. So you want to just add that money into your portfolio tracker and then see where it needs to go based on what you already have and what the targets are. So put it invested in my Schwab account or just... You don't necessarily have to put it in that account. The first step would be to add that as cash to your portfolio tracker. So any amount, let's say you, you, I think you said you have 90,000 in cash, maybe only 40,000 of that is really truly emergency money. Take that 50,000 and just add a line into your tracker and put it in as cash and then see what that does to your overall percentages because you know the the sectors are based on percentage so that's going to change as the dollar amount of your portfolio changes so once you add that into the tracker then you're going to see where you're going to be light so if you're light still in cash equivalents maybe you can do that inflation protected uh, bond but if that makes you really under in utilities that might mean that you need to buy a utility company so then that would necessitate that you put it into your brokerage account so you can buy the stock. Okay. And is there like online savings accounts where you can make higher interest? Because I've heard it on like other shows. There is, but you know, for me, convenience is a big deal because like, let's say that you have CDs at 10 banks in town. Well, every time a CD comes up, you're going to be spending a lot of time Searching to see who has the best rates. Same thing if you're uh, if you open an account with a certain online bank because they're offering a higher rate. Typically, they do that to attract deposits, and the reason that they will offer higher initial rates is because they know that deposits are pretty sticky, meaning that it's an inconvenience for people to move after their introductory rate expires and they get a little bit of a different rate there. So, you know, to me, and and time is money. So, you know, if you have a lot of time on your hand and you have time to make those changes and move um, move money in, into all different accounts, that's one thing. But my experience is that people tend to get tired of doing that and, and chasing higher rates. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for your ministry. 
Sure. Thanks for calling. Well, I think we have time to get to this last call. Let's go to Connie. She's calling from Kansas. Hi, Connie. You're on financial issues. Hi. Um, I hope this makes sense. This is a follow-up call from the gentleman that called before about the qualified money, and you were you were instructing which funds that uh, you'll be earning interest for not only you and for the government. You want to make sure are are um, slower growing or whatever um, uh, funds. My question is: is when I set up uh, all my uh, funds, my, I had my IRA, my Roth, and my regular investment account. I just put all the stocks just you know helter skelter. I didn't pay attention to that uh, piece of information that you gave us. And so my question is. Now I probably need to look at all that and maybe move them to the right fund. And is that an easy process to do or not? Is it just something I go to Fidelity and transfer them and it's not a big deal? Or can you tell me about it? Um, so if they won't let you swap out your stocks between the different accounts, like move them around. That would quite possibly, I mean, you can move stocks in kind from one account to another, but it is counted as distributions. So if you decide that you want to rearrange the way that you do it, then you're going to have to sell in one account and and buy in another account. Now, if you are making a transition, let's say, you know, lots of times I see people with a very high concentration of their liquid net worth in a traditional IRA. And that's what we always talk about, you know, the risk of taxes being higher in the future than what they are now and the risk of regulation where the government could change the rules. So let's say that you have the majority of your money in an IRA and you want to, maybe you're doing a little bit of Roth conversion and maybe you're trying to move some to a non-qualified account just to get your balance better. You can move shares, but it is taxable. So let's say that you've got a technology stock in your IRA account and you're going to do a Roth conversion this year. Well, of all of the things that you hold in your IRA account, you're going to want to pick the things that are expected to grow the most, and then you can move that to your Roth. Now, you've got to pay taxes on the value of it when you do it, but that's that's one way to go from one account to another, but they won't let you just pick and choose and swap things around. Mm. So I'd have to sell and then buy again, basically. Is, yeah. Is that, is, mm-hmm. okay. If you want to do that. Now, you can okay. do that over time. As you're rebalancing, you know, as as things mm-hmm. happen, you know, we've had to to sell a few techno, a uh, few utility stocks and uh, industrial stock this year because they're no longer biblically responsible. Right. So you could start yeah. you could start doing that over time. You don't have to just you know reset everything and do it all at once. And when you say we look at a stock and determine which ones are supposed to be more income, not not income. You say which one are you expect to grow more. How do you really determine that? Is it just, is it written on financial issues in your commentary page, or how do I know that? Mm-hmm. So the stocks or the companies that are in blue are income stocks. Those are the ones that you would put yeah. in the IRA. Now, if you have 90% of your liquid net worth in your IRA, you're going to have all kinds of stocks in there. It's, it's not going to be yeah. possible because 90% of your portfolio isn't income stocks. But those are going to be the ones that you do first. If you've got Roth okay. money, then, then it's going to be the small caps, the mid caps, um, we do have some notes in there about whether 
a particular company is growth oriented or income or growth in income and we are working on an all buy list getting an all buy list we're probably a couple of months out on that it's just a lot of work on the back end and uh, a lot of uh stuff that's out of my wheelhouse, technical programming and all of those things to make it work right. But we're going to have a chart for you to be able to see some things like the size of the company, the um, uh, the style, which means growth, growth in income, income, preservation, so on and so forth. So the things that are small and mid-cap are going to be the most aggressive. Um, things like the Israel Fund, um all of those things that that tend to have a lot of volatility are going to be the things that you want to hold in the Roth. Into the Roth. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's very helpful. Thank you, Shanna. I appreciate your your ministry so much. You've done a great job. Sure. I follow thanks you every calling. day that I can. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. You. Well, thanks for calling in. Thanks for being a partner. And, folks, that reminds me, too, that um, – as you're, as you're going through and and doing those things, now is probably a good time. If you're in the process of doing distributions from your IRA, let's say that you're in that situation where you've got the majority of your net worth or of your liquid net worth in the pre-tax IRA, and you're trying to balance that out by either doing some Roth conversions or moving money into the traditional IRA, a great time to do that is right now when you have, I'm sure you have positions in your portfolio that are down because when you move them from the traditional into either the Roth or the uh, non-qualified account, that's when you pay taxes on it. So if you have a position that's down 20, 30, 40, or 50%, you pay taxes on the value uh, the day that you move it. So if it's down in value, you're getting a little bit of tax savings there and then it can recover in the other type of account. Well, folks, we had a lot of great interaction. We had a lot of a lot of things going on. So I would just encourage you, um, you know, Lord willing, we'll be here next week, same time, same place. We hope that you'll join us with your questions. We hope that you'll consider becoming a partner, becoming biblically responsible, lining up your values or lining up your investments with your values. Well, we hope that you have a, a great day of worship on Sunday. Don't neglect the gathering of yourselves with other believers. And we just have to remember, time is short. The master's coming back. There's going to be a test. Let's be found good and faithful stewards of everything that the Lord has trusted us with. Well, folks, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.